Welcome to this week's podcast from Fearless LA. For more information, check out fearlessla.com or explore the Fearless app. Thanks for listening. This is Fearless Los Angeles. preacher up here that tonight we would hear from you and not only would hear from you that we would see you God in power tonight and Lord you would shift our paradigm to another level in Jesus name and everybody said amen Amen. this is a picture right here uh, of of a man's house uh, after he burned it down and this happened in Washington DC and uh uh, w- w- this this is a pretty. If that's a if there's a house fire, that that is a good one, right? Anybody think that's he did? That house is no longer standing. Well, the reason why this house was on fire, National News reported this, and after they reported this, uh, they 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 realized what happened is is the man in the house was trying to kill a spider in his house. So with a any pyromaniacs out there, you know what I'm talking about. It's the best way to kill a spider, right? They found that like several people have actually burned their house down by trying to kill spiders in their house. They say that he said the spider was in the in the laundry room and he thought real quick, I'm going to go get a lighter and and, and some spray paint and I'm going to kill this sucker. And I imagine as the spider ran from the flames and hung out on the grass and roasted some s'mores, he was laughing at the guy all the way down. And this is silly. This is crazy. Why would someone ever burn down their house to kill a spider? And this is exactly what we do in life. When we go through little upsets and little hiccups and little frustrations and little crazy things that just get to us. Anybody ever had something get to you? Like something that, oh my, anybody afraid of spiders in here? By the way, you're just afraid of spiders. If I just said that, we've just put spiders. One time I did this sermon in youth ministry and and we called it arachnophobic and and we dropped fake spiders on the whole crowd while they watched that one scene from arachnophobia. One girl went out and she almost like died because she was actually literally allergic to the fear of, or something like this. We had to send for an ambulance arachnophobia some of us have problem phobia are you like that i'm like that i don't like problems i don't like situations i don't like i don't like pain anybody doesn't like pain in this room like and if you didn't raise your hand we're nervous about you right you're just different like that right you just i like pain you know no pain no gain they they actually they actually have studies where there, there are certain people that are born with uh, a disease that where they actually cannot feel pain. There is a story uh, that I looked up this week and a little boy, uh, they didn't know what was wrong with him. He'd just like throw his head into the coffee table and just start laughing as he's bleeding. And they had to actually teach their son how to react when you see blood. They say that most people with this disease only live to be three years old because they cannot understand when pain is destroying them, they cannot understand that danger also is there. So they'll put their hand on, on hot stoves or do whatever because pain is a gift. 
pain is a gift. You see, pain leads you and I to find healing for our pain. It alerts your heart and your brain something isn't right here. Yeah, the first caveman cut his finger and all of a sudden didn't know what to do. How do I heal this pain? So he stops everything he's doing and he takes the next section of his life and he searches. He stops hunting, he stops living, and he searches for what could solve this pain. And he finds a weird leaf and he rubs it on it. Nothing happens. It just hurts more. And then he, 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 he takes some mud and puts it on it, but it gets infected. And then finally, he finds this plant up in the mountains called Oliveira. Breaks it, puts it all over his finger, and within days, the scar is now there and the wound is gone. What happens the next time someone gets cut? That same caveman, unless he's mean, goes and says, look, I know the healing for the pain. All we got to do is go up. Don't waste your time with all that. That mud won't do it. That rock won't heal it. Let me tell you about the real healing for pain. And here's what I'm here to do today. Not to say that when you receive Jesus in your life, pain won't come. But I do know the healing for the pain that is going to come in this life. And his name is Jesus. Well, that's a simple fix, Pastor. When I've tried it all, well, have you tried him? And can I tell you this? You cannot try Jesus. He is not one of the 31 flavors at Baskin Robbins. He is his own flavor all by himself in his own category. And he loves you. And he wants to meet you right where you're at. And I feel like this life, we spend time a lot like the man in his house trying to destroy the one thing that we're afraid of. Trying to, trying to take it out. We, we bring all life's forces in and we have a whole prayer meeting about it. I, I don't know if you're like me, but man, if my kids get sick or I'm going through stuff, I will tell people, man. I, I, will, I will call my mom, my aunt, my uncle. I'll put it on our prayer thing. And I'm just, you, you're going to know it. You're going to know when I'm going through stuff because, because man, I'm going through stuff. I, I need all of heaven. I need everybody to stop. I'm going through stuff. And sometimes we burn down the house when we could have just killed the spider. Maybe we need to catch as Christians. Maybe a paradigm shift needs to happen today. That our eyes change and we realize that God has given us power and authority over the things in this life. And we have the power to rule over what keeps haunting us and daunting us and telling us it's going to destroy us. Some of us need to look at that spider spiritually and say, this is my house, sucker. You think you're going to come up in here? I have this giant thing called the foot of God. And he's about to stomp you out. He has given me all power and authority to change my situation. But if I don't believe it, and I can't see it, I might take crazy means to put out something that is so minute in the kingdom of God. The devil is like that little spider in the corner in this kingdom called the kingdom of heaven. God said when the, the disciples came back and said, man, the devil runs when, when we show up and uh, people are changed and life's being transformed. And he goes, of course. I saw the devil fall like lightning from heaven. Many of us look for the devil in every bush. We're like, oh, man, spooky out here. There's a lot of things going on in this world. There's a lot of darkness. 
a lot of stuff, Pastor. I'm kind of afraid. I'm kind of nervous to share my faith. I'm kind of nervous to really get this message out. God brought me all the way here to cause a paradigm shift in your life tonight. It's the final sermon of this series we call Paradigm Shift. And it's when a new truth shows up. And it changes not just that situation, but every situation. It's like when the internet showed up, it changed everything. Or email showed up. Or when we realized that the world was not flat, but it was round. Everything that we had formerly believed changed. John chapter 14, verse number 26 says this. But the counselor, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things. Somebody say all things. And will remind you of everything I have said to you. He's going to be with you, this guy called the Holy Spirit. You're not going to have to be alone in this thing called life. I'm sending someone in his, the counselor. You don't need a whole bunch of counseling sessions. You just need one with the master, the great counselor. And he says, the peace I leave with you, my peace I give you. I do not give you as the world gives you. Do not let your hearts be troubled. Do not be afraid. You heard me say, I am going away and I am coming back to you. If you loved me, you would be glad that I'm going to the Father. For the Father is greater than I. I'm going to leave you not alone, not as orphans. I'm going to leave you not by yourself. See, I came all the way here to tell you that even if you feel alone, you're not. Sometimes feeling alone can lead to, to being lonely. Our world has a struggle with being lonely. In fact, uh, just in Asia, they developed a, a special cafe for, to heal they, what they call loneliness. Anybody ever felt kind of alone? Or in this big city, you, this can be crazy, and you can feel alone. You can wake up one day and just feel, feel alone. And planting a church has, has at times made me feel alone. Anybody ever ate food by themselves at a table alone? You almost feel awkward. You're kind of looking around thinking everyone's looking at me, thinking I'm that guy, I'm that girl, just trying to have a lunch break, right? You're on your phone. At least we got our phones now, right? We can just talk to someone there and feel a little more normal. They've, they've actually, they have a cafe to heal uh, loneliness that they developed in Asia. Here's a picture of it. Uh, so, so what they do is they, they just, you can eat lunch with a stuffed animal. This is, is actually the cafe. And there's another picture of it, uh, and this is what you would see. Now, now, we, now we laugh, but this is a real place. I, I mean, can you imagine? I come in, and Dave's sitting with uh, the hippopotamus, the pink hippopotamus. So, bro, you just, we're all with the same hippopotamus, man. I came here with my, my friend Hippopot. And, and this, is, this is a cafe that the world has developed to heal loneliness because we are so lonely that they had to develop a cafe where you could eat with a stuffed animal how sad is that the bible says this that the holy spirit will never leave you 
He's always with you. He is a friend that sticks closer than a brother. You are not alone in this life. He says, look, just because you can't see me doesn't mean I'm not there. You know, we always pray, God, show up tonight. No, God's already here. God's here right now. What about that time when, no, he's there too. He's the I am God, meaning what about back there? I am there. What about right here? I am there. What if I go over here? I, he said, look, if you make your bed in hell, I'll show up there too because I'm always going to be with you. I'm not going to leave you like they left you. Leave you alone. You don't need a stuffed animal. You got the Holy Spirit, baby, riding with you in this thing called life. You say, why are you telling us this? Because some of you are world changers. Meaning you're going to have to get out of the boat and leave the natural crowd behind. And you get to take one person with you. His name is Holy Spirit. Can I tell you this? When we had our office in our garage and I would sit there and I didn't have a crowd to preach to or a, 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 a sanctuary to go to, I felt lonely at times. And then the Holy Spirit would remind me, I'm in this office with you. I'm on this journey with you. I'm never going to leave you. Never going to forsake you. People will leave you. People will hurt you. But I'm not going to leave you. And I'm going to give you peace. Do you feel that? You could be alone and not lonely and have peace. The peace of God that surpasses understanding. How are you okay with being alone? They did studies on men. And they say that men would rather be zapped with an electric shock than to sit in a room for 15 minutes with just their thoughts. Why? Because if I think too much, if I'm alone too much, I might really wonder... If maybe life was meant for more. If I'm not distracted from the loneliness. So you know what happens when we come in here? You know why God encounters you and touches you in a different way? Because for five, to, to, five minutes to an hour, you are sitting in this room and you are checked off for just one second from all the clutter and all the stuff. And for one second, you actually have to think, where am I at with this holy God? I mean, can you imagine this God who has no end? He is the uncreated God, meaning no one created him. He was just there. And everything that is, he created. We're here to worship him. Think about that just for a second. Are we really capturing what we're doing? Or is this just another vain religious ceremony? What if we can open our eyes to see that God is actually here right now? I want my eyes to see him in every situation, no matter what. Yeah. I want my eyes to be healthy, yeah. my spirit eyes. Yeah. yeah, the difference between healthy eyes and, and, and diseased eyes is that healthy eyes have a different levels of gradients in which they take in distinctions and non-distinctions in a room as light is passed through them to the level of the light that can pass through and out of your eyes will give you the ability to see different distinctions in a room two people could sound in the same room and see two different things and we could stand out one person might think oh that's a car coming because they need their glasses it's just a giant thing it's just a I don't even understand and another person goes no no that's just a person walking across the street one person might see a sign and read one thing and another person reads something else. Is the sign different or are your eyes? 
So I wonder how many different levels and gradients there are to the king of the universe. Bible says that he is unending. He doesn't have a beginning or an end. He is the alpha, meaning he's the first part of the alphabet, and the omega at the same time. This God is unending. He never ends. So what do your eyes see? Because depending on what your eyes see, you will live life based on what you see. If your God is little, then your problems will be big. But if your God is big, no thing that's formed against you shall prosper. Do you know who your God is? Maybe we need to ask God, open my eyes. I want to see you for all that you are. If not, this life will be confusing and frustrating and irritating. Because your eyes, the windows of your soul, were born and designed to take in the glory of God and to transform your world. What if we stopped just going to church and we encountered the one who is the church, the head of the church? What if today we actually encountered the fact that God is in the room? What would happen if we stopped for a second and said, I'm sick and tired of not seeing? Or we can let our pride get in the way one more day. There was one man recently who wrote a book on how to run with the bulls in Spain. He's an expert on it. What shoes to wear, the way to dodge the bulls that are coming, how to pick your partner, how to train throughout the year, what diet to eat. He wrote a book and became a national bestseller. And the book you must have if you're going to run with the bulls. But then this year, he got gored by a bull. He was an expert. But I guarantee his book's not selling so good anymore. And if this man could fail at being an expert in this, why do we still think we are an expert at God? That we could track him down and really label him to a place where this is what it means to be perfect. I've got it all figured out. Pastor, go ahead and teach me something new. Go ahead and get me to worship. I've heard every song. I've heard every sermon. I ain't moving for nothing. Why? Because I got this all figured out. Or do you? Because as soon as you're gored by the bull, what do you mean? As soon as cancer shows up and you're sitting on a hospital bed and you're trying to believe for healing, but before that you didn't really believe in healing because you hadn't really seen it, all of a sudden your whole paradigm starts to shift and you start going, maybe everything I thought was wrong. Maybe there's more to this God. Maybe I need to search deeper. Man, what my dream is is that we wouldn't have people that would re retire from the ministry. We would have people that would refire. At the end of their life, they're still searching for who this God is. If Paul said it this way, now we see dimly. Some of the greatest eyes to ever look upon God say, all I see him is dimly. But one day, I'm going to see him face to face. We see parts of God now. We see pieces, moments, just one encounter with God, and you're messed up, dude. One encounter where he rips back the veil and says, hello. You would never be the same. But can you imagine 24-7 one day 
seeing and experiencing God? What if we left our pride behind and we chased him and said, God, I know you're hiding, but you're not hiding very hard because you desire me to find you. You're hiding more like a dad playing hide and go seek with his two-year-old than you are an expert Marine hiding from me. You are hiding for the game of chase with your sons and daughters. And today, I want to see you. And I'm not leaving this place until I do. I don't know if I have that kind of crowd in here tonight. I don't know if this is a little too deep or too hard or too much for you or too passionate. Uh, this is all I am. I don't know how to turn this down uh, because this is what I want and what I desire. I don't know if I have any other people in the room that are with me on this. God, I want my eyes to see you. I want to know you. I want to understand. I want to fully grasp who you are. And I'm not leaving until I do. I don't want to sit through one more message, one more worship song. I want you. If you're here, reveal yourself. You ever just prayed a dangerous prayer like that? Those prayers will mess you up. I remember one time I was in my office and I prayed like that. In my office studying. I said, God, I just, I'm tired of studying. Tired of reading all these stories. I want to see you. I felt like the Spirit of the Lord said, if you see me, you won't even be able to sit in this room. And I felt like God showed up in such a powerful way in my office that I was shaken to the core. Meaning I saw what was already there. I ran out of that room and I started telling everyone I could find about the presence of God that I just encountered. And one of those encounters was someone, someone got healed because I saw the God that heals. What would happen if we really saw God tonight after service? What would happen on your way to the cafe or your way home or your phone call with your mom that you haven't talked to in a while? What would happen if we really encountered? What if he changed our eyes and we saw another gradient of who he is tonight? Mm. See, all over the world right now, People are being persecuted for claiming that Jesus is the king of the universe. And I often wonder if this persecution ever came to America, what we would do. Will we still meet or will we hide? Today, as we watch the things that are going on in other countries, I started thinking about this. And since 2000, there have been over one million Christians that have died for their faith, been martyred for what they believe, for what we sing about, for what we worship about in America. That means that every day since 2000, over five Christians have been martyred every single day. And it's continuing to this day. But it's what is put on the inside of us that will hold us through any storm. It's the amazing grace that God wants to send down. Paul said it this way, in Philippians chapter 4, verse number 1, he said, I have learned the secret to living in every situation. Whether it was a full stomach, an empty one, whether plenty or little. For I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. He, releases, he releases, uh, gives us the, the reason 
why he feels like he could live through every situation in the verse in chapter, same chapter in verse number eight. He says, here's how I do it. I fix my thoughts on whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable. And I think about these things that are excellent and praiseworthy. Here's what I do through any situation. I can get through every circumstance by what I focus my eyes on in the circumstance. See, I came to help you understand that God doesn't need to take you out and put you up to a new situation for you to be able to change the world. What has to change is your eyes in the situation you're in. And from that place, he's going to use you to change the world. He doesn't have to elevate you. He has to give you elevated eyes. He has to give you his eyes for the circumstance you're in. We need to get a vision for why we're here. Yeah, yeah see, I, I don't think we realize, but, um, uh, you know, life is kind of like a puzzle. You ever, you ever been just puzzled by life? You ever just been puzzled by what happened last week or the week before? I mean, God sends us down to this earth, and it's almost like he drops the puzzle pieces. And it's up to us. You know, throughout life, we get handed different pieces. And it's, this is a kid's puzzle, so, uh, you know, Lyric probably could put it together. It says ages eight and up. And we sit with these pieces. And, and, we, and we search for how, how am I going to get this? God, you gave me just pieces. I, I don't really know what to do with these pieces. I, I don't know what to, how, how, do I, how do I put together these desires in my heart with this over here? And I've been through this right here. I, this is, yeah, this is the piece, the broken piece. God, you probably just, this didn't mean to get in the box, huh? This, this, this pain, this, this, this circumstance, I walked through this situation, this, this hurt. I'll, I'll just leave that out. We'll probably just throw that away. And we'd love to get some pieces out of the box, amen? Uh, some of the pieces would be nice to, to, to get out. But I don't believe life is like a kid's puzzle. I, I believe it's more like a. Like a thousand piece puzzle. I got any witnesses out there? Where, where God brings in with the Holy Spirit and he drops all these pieces off in our life. And it almost seems like he leaves us alone to put together this puzzle. And most of us are still puzzled by the pieces. Unless you're a puzzler. Do we have any puzzlers out there? I mean, you love to put together puzzles. You, you are a puzzle just lift your hands. We want to see you, and it just we, you're strange. Good. You, you put together, we love you, but you are different. We, you are a minority in this room. You, you, on vacations, uh, just recently, we went on vacation. This is my brother-in-law, Andy. We went on a vacation. I walk in the room. I got, I, I'm ready to go to the ocean. I'm ready to get my surfboard, go run around the city, go crazy, drink some coffee. And here's Andy at the table. You see, you see that puzzle? I'm looking for this piece. And I'm like, dude, you're making me nervous, bro. Like, what are you doing? Like, are you going to really? This is our vacation, bro. I wanted to walk up and just like rearrange the parts, throw a piece away. So let's go to the beach, baby. You know what I'm saying? Not many people love puzzles. But almost life, if, if we could be honest, life is a lot like, like a puzzle. God just shows up and he just drops off the pieces. And, and, and he just uh, almost like it feels like he just says, hey, good luck. <laughs> 
good good luck with the pieces. Go ahead and pick them up and put them together. And, and we're sitting there. Man, have you ever just been puzzled by life? Just trying to figure out what in the world? How in the world am I ever going to take all this? And like make something. And life will not make sense. As long as you focus on the puzzle. Why do I have this? Why did this happen when I was five? They left when I was ten. God, I could have done without this, right? <laughs> this, this, this piece, that's a, that piece doesn't fit anywhere. What's this life for? How do we put this thing together? And, and, and look, if you're married, you understand that as you're almost, you're trying to get this puzzle done, and then all of a sudden your wife just comes by, and she drops all her puzzle onto it, too. Say, good luck, baby. Hope we get this thing figured out. And this is why it's important to, to take care of your singleness. Because two halves don't make a whole. Two holes make a whole. Yeah, yeah. As long as you haven't figured out the puzzle first, don't add more pieces till you got you figured out. Some of us need to start saying, God, you know, I, I ain't even ready yet to find someone. Don't send me anyone yet because I need some, I need some time with this thing. I'm still trying to, and some of you are taking a long, way too long of a time. You need to hurry up on that puzzle. And then you put kids on board. Oh, gosh. And then this is where people want to die. This is it right here. This is the moment. Because it's overwhelming. This thing called figure out your destiny. Figure out why you're alive. God, I don't know. I give, have you ever just given up? Give up. This is too hard. And one thing that you're missing is a vision of the end in the middle. I'm going to title this message, A Vision of the End in the Middle. Because when you get a puzzle... You're not just given the pieces, you're given the pictures from the boxes of what the puzzle was meant to be. You see, unless you have a vision of why God called you, then you will never know why he gave you what he gave you. This piece of the Wizard of Oz makes no sense when I can't see the entire picture. My struggle with fear and anxiety. God, couldn't you just destroy fear? Why did you have to make me especially susceptible to man's opinion and fears? And God, why couldn't you just cage up fear? Why did you have to let it run at me and try to kill me? Because you were going to do a church called Fearless. But if you couldn't see the box, what I was going to do with the piece, I was going to put the piece into a picture. But first you have to look for the picture instead of the piece. See, we keep focusing on the pieces of broken life and broken things that we have. And what God says is, look, I want to give you new eyes. Stop looking at the pain and start looking at what I'm going to do with the pain. I have a beautiful picture that I want to paint, but you have to take your eyes off and get a new vision of who I am. I'm a good dad, not a bad one. I'm a loving father, not a hating father. Why would I ever give you something that I wasn't going to turn into beauty? I allowed it. One day, God, 
the Bible says will wipe every tear from our eyes. But for now, we're stuck in this puzzle called life. And many times we, we get so frustrated with our puzzle, we just start looking at our neighbor's puzzle. You ever just been building puzzles next to somebody? Maybe that's never happened in your life, but pretend like it has. And you look over, and they're further along in their puzzle than yours. And they got a piece that you really like. And what we do is we want their pieces. And we start taking. If I could only have that. If I could just, uh, and then, then, then God gives somebody a picture. They give someone a vision, a picture of the end. And we start idolizing the picture that they have. Because we haven't taken time to get a picture ourselves. Man, if I can only have a church like that, if I can only get a building like that, if I can only have leaders like that, man, if uh, maybe I just got to read five books and uh, look on websites and go to a certain training, or maybe if I could just look like her or act like her or have a marriage like them. And God's saying, no, no, you're looking at the wrong box because the picture on their box doesn't fit your pieces. And so you keep trying to build and you keep finding it doesn't work and it doesn't work and you're frustrated and trying to glue pieces together and hammer have you ever just had a puzzle and you're trying to shove it together this has got to be the right piece it's got to be right does it work for them it's on their picture I don't know God has a picture for you he has a vision for you he has a dream for every single one of us and he's given you all the right parts and pieces to see accomplished what he put in you to do so what the enemy does is he wants to get you to desire what's in your brother's box. And because he gets that, he gets all the pieces mixed up and you're confused in even who you're supposed to be. Because you're in competition with people that you had no right being in competition with. Because you were the solo runner in this race. I'm done building your puzzle. I'm done building your picture. I want to build the picture he put inside me. And I'm looking for a group of people that will say, you know what? God's going to give us a bigger picture for this city. He's going to give us a bigger dream. And we need all of us to gather the pieces and the particles. And without one of you, we could build all day long. The picture won't make sense. The same thing with the churches in this city and the pastors in this city. Jesus said, I am the head of the body. You're the pieces to the puzzle. Come fit where you fit. Come belong where you belong. Come be where you're supposed to be. And in that place, you feel confidence and satisfaction that you are in the right place. But he's got to change your eyes. If he doesn't change your eyes, you'll never see why you have all the broken pieces. What if he could take all the things that you thought were mess ups and it was a part of a beautiful picture? What if every pain, every hurt, every rejection, God allowed it and he left it in the box? See, when we get to heaven, we're not going to be building a puzzle anymore. All the pieces are going to go back in the box. 
and be put away. We're all going to end up in boxes someday. But as we're out here with all the pieces, we might as well take the time we have and see what kind of picture he longed to reveal to the world through us. Before he can, he has to change our eyes. There was a man in the book of Isaiah. His name was Isaiah. It was his book. Chapter 6, verse number 1. We call this the Great Commission. The Bible says this in the year that King Uzziah died. Somebody say King Uzziah. In the year he died, I saw the Lord seated on a throne. Anybody ever heard this verse? You heard this verse before? Lift your hand. Let me see. You heard this verse. You haven't heard this verse. Good. I've seen the Lord and he was seated on a throne. He was high and exalted. Somebody say high and exalted. And the Bible says his train of his robe filled the temple. I came into heaven in the year King Uzziah died. And God was seated on a throne. And he was high and exalted. Today we were looking up at the buildings in downtown L.A. And someone said, I wonder if God's throne is higher than these buildings. As we looked up in awe and almost our soul was, ever looked up at the buildings in downtown or New York? And it's almost like your soul is stretched. Like, oh my gosh, that's so high. The Bible says that the earth is God's footstool. Can you imagine when Isaiah got there, the throne of God, and he said his reign, his, his train of his robe filled the temple. And what they believed is the longer the train of a king's robe, if it was one foot, it meant your kingdom was this big. And you ruled over this many countries and nations. If your robe was this long, so a king that would walk in with the longest robe, everyone would look out because that guy is in charge of a lot. That's why ladies, when they come down, there's a train on their robe when you get married because they're about to rule that marriage. Don't let her get a long train, boys. That's all I'm saying. And Isaiah said this. He said, dude, when I got to heaven, the train of his robe, it filled the entire temple of heaven. I couldn't see an inch. It wasn't a foot long. It wasn't an inch long. It was, it was everywhere. There was fabric everywhere. Meaning God rules over everything. So I got there in the year King Uzziah died. And I saw seraphs. And they had six wings. And two wings they covered their eyes. Two wings they flew. Two wings they covered their feet. And they cried out to one another. Holy Holy, holy, for Father, Son, and Holy Spirit is the Lord God Almighty. Then they said this, the whole earth is full of His glory. And then they sang it again. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. The whole earth is full of His glory. You see, they haven't even switched songs yet. They're not on the course, the bridge, the hook. They're on the same word, just singing over and over and over again. Because every time they look at God, they get a new revelation of who he is and how big. And their eyes fully see and they just keep singing. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. The whole earth is filled with his glory. That word 
glory there in the original text means two words. It's broken down of two words, and it means this, copious splendor. The word copious means plentiful. It means in abundance. It means ample, an ample supply of wealth, power, and might. It is actually the same word that we use now for pie. Anybody ever heard this mathematical term called pie? It's crazy, man. I didn't even fully understand. I didn't really even care until I started learning that his glory is, is copious, which is the same word used for pie. The word pie is a, is a mathematical consonant. It does not end. It is actually called an irrational number that cannot be expressed as common ever. After a certain number, it never repeats ever. It just keeps going. They actually don't know where it ends. They, they say it doesn't end. The, the number pi, it just keeps going, and the numbers never repeat. They've gotten supercomputers and the greatest mathematicians in the world, and they cannot find the ending to this thing called pi. God said, my, my glory is, is unlimited it is, it is all powerful and it is like the word pie. It is unending and it has never been duplicated since. And then the word splendor, which means majestic, beautiful, and all. God's glory is never ending. It never runs out. It's never duplicated. And it is beautiful. It is splendiferous. It is powerful. And the angels say, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. The whole earth is filled. That word filled, it means to be framed. The whole earth is framed by his splendiferous power that is never ending. What are you saying? What do you mean? What do you mean? I don't get it, Pastor. The sun has been framed by the glory and power of your God. Literally, if God is a liar, if one word is not true in that book, if his glory is not what it says it is, the sun evaporates instantly. Your body falls apart. The Bible says that the worlds were framed by his word. His glory upholds the earth that we stand on. God, I don't know if you're here. I don't know if your power is here. Yeah, yeah, look up at the sun and look if it's still shining and if you see it it's been held together by his all-encompassing power that can never be duplicated or multiplied and with that same power he loves you it's never ending cannot be duplicated cannot be copied the angels keep seeing God and saying holy Holy, holy. Isaiah walks into this worship ceremony. The Bible says at the doorpost, as the, at the voice as they sing, the doorposts in heaven are literally shaking. Can you imagine what it would take for our voices to shake these walls? Isaiah walks in, in this glorious moment, this wrecking moment. My eyes have seen the king. In the year King Uzziah died. Who's King Uzziah? If we go back a few chapters, the Bible tells us about who he is. He's one of the greatest kings to ever serve time in the seat of the throne of the power of Judah and the people of God. And he's a genius king. He created 
the, those, those things, those, those catapults that shoot rocks over walls. He also created uh, the, the, the dip downs in castles where people would pop over. He was, he was a military strategist. He, he created systems for war. He was the first king to ever issue the draft. Although we don't like it, it also grew their army and protected them. For the first time in Israel's history, they were protected from their enemies. Not just because God was backing them, but because he had put someone in power that trusted him. But in the year he died is when I saw the Lord. You see, Isaiah, Isaiah got so caught up, started reading his own press and how good God was inside of him. That he took his life into his own hands. Back then, only the priests could offer sacrifices. But Uzziah thought, well, I'm the man. This is my magazine. I got this thing called life. So he thought, you know what? I'm going to offer a sacrifice to the Lord. I have enough power. I have enough authority. So he runs into the temple. The Bible says that 80 priests tried to stop him. And when he gets into the presence of God, God strikes him instantly with leprosy. He lives a short little span after that, and they bury him, not with the kings, but in his own tomb, away from honor. And on his tomb, it did not say all the great things he did. It said Uzziah, the king, got leprosy. If you were an Israelite, can you imagine tomorrow... If our president died suddenly, with all the terror threats, our walls were down, our defenses were down, and your homes were threatened, just weeks earlier, they carried away the other tribes of Israel. The Assyrians came and attacked them and destroyed their land and raped their women and killed their men. And here we are. We had Uzziah, but now he's dead. And Isaiah says, in the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord. In the year where everything fell apart is when King, it's when King Uzziah died. In that year, in the year he broke up with you, in the year they deserted you, in the year you lost your job, in the year you got that disease, in the year where everything went gone wrong, I saw the Lord. And guess what? He is the King. And I saw that his glory, it never ends. It can't be duplicated. It's all power. It has authority. He said, I saw his throne. And God wasn't up in heaven like, what are we going to do? I don't know what to do because King Uzziah just died and he was my only man for the job. I, I don't know how this is going to all work. God wasn't worried. God was sitting on his throne being worshipped. Did you know while you're going through the darkest hours of your life, God is not off and on his throne. This is how we treat God. When everything's going good, he's the king. When everything's not, he's failed me. He's on, he's off. He's on, he's off. He's on, he's off. Oh, he missed this one. Is he on or is he off? Because he never leaves his seat of power. So even right now, the same God that Isaiah saw is sitting in power 
you have to see it. Because as long as you sit at the casket of Uzziah, you will never see the king sitting on his throne. As long as you sit around the pain of the past and the situation of now, you see, Jesus wants us to lift up our eyes and look to the hill where our help comes from. You see, I came to talk to some people tonight that are going through some stuff and you're still sitting at a funeral of what is and what was and how things were and what they did and what they said and what you're going through. God's challenging a bunch of people. Today's the day. I have one clock on my, one time on my clock and it says now, now, now. I have power now. I have authority now. I have life altering, life changing right now. I am king right now. Whatever you believe, you'll receive. Can you see it? Or will you remain with dull eyes and live a half-life focused on temporal and now instead of lifting up your eyes, saying, God, give me a new vision. Give me a vision of the end in the middle. Take me to the end. Take me to the end. And when you start living like that, you'll start worshiping now like you're already finished. You'll start worshiping in the middle like it's completed. You'll start worshiping him for what he is rather than what you saw him as right now. He is that right now. He is in power right now. He does have authority right now. He's wondering if tonight, if we'll get new eyes. In the year the king Uzziah died. What is your king Uzziah? What dream did you have? What idea did you have that you thought was going to help you that fell through? And either we can sit and mourn this, or we could worship him. Bible says this, sing, O barren woman, stretch out your tents as if you already had kids, lengthen the cords of your tent, prepare the rooms for what I have coming, prepare now, and he says sing, shout, open your mouth, and start talking about what you see, the first thing that Isaiah see, says when he gets in the presence of God, he says, I am a man of unclean lips, meaning I've been talking about that when I should have been speaking about you. But God, if you'll give me a second chance, he says, who will go? He said, I'll go. I'll start singing about what I should have been singing about. I'm going to join with the angels now. In the middle, I'm going to give you a praise. In the pain, I'm going to worship you. In the pain, I'm going to believe for the promise. In the now. All the pieces are on the floor. I don't know what to do with them, God. Give me a picture. Give me a picture. Take my eyes off the pain. And give my eyes off you, your glory, your power. You're in this room and you're walking through things. Sing. Worship, O barren woman. Sing for shouts of joy. Take your eyes off of it and put your eyes onto him. From this place, 
I can worship the Lord. From this pain, I can praise Him who is always good. He's good right now. He's worthy right now. Would you stand to your feet all over this room? Maybe you're in this place and you've never met Jesus. And you've only met Uzziah. You've only met the man living for God. And you've seen him succeed. And then you see someone fall off this train. Isaiah saw his hero die. His hero, the person he believed in, the person he heard God through. But when he was removed for the first time, he went himself boldly into the presence of God. Maybe you're in this room and you've never had a relationship with Jesus. Like, hi, I'm Jeremy. Who are you? Jordan. Jordan. Tonight I'm meeting you. I'd like to get to know you. If you've never met Jesus like that, like if you came tomorrow and said, you didn't meet Jordan, I said, yeah, I did. I met him. No one can talk you out of it. If you met Jesus, you would know it. If you've never met Jesus in that way, a real way, encountered him, and you feel dead on the inside, there's a reason for it. You were meant to encounter him. And Jesus doesn't make bad people good. He makes dead people alive. Tonight is not about becoming good. Tonight is about becoming alive. You're in this room and you feel dead on the inside and you would like to feel alive. If I can have everybody bow their heads and close their eyes. You're in this room from the front of the back and the sound of my voice. And you feel dead and you would like to feel alive. On the count of three, I want you just to slip up your hand with me. On the count of three, you feel dead and you would like to feel alive. Ready? One. You got all these pieces and you don't know what they're for. And you want to get a vision of Jesus. Ready? One, two, three. Lift up your hand. We already have people lifting up their hand all over this room. If your hand is lifted, if you're next to someone with their hand lifted, why don't you bring them right down to this front together? If you're next to someone with their hand lifted or you have your hand lifted, come down to this front. If you have your hand lifted, I want you to meet, I want to meet you. I want to shake your hand. I want to give you a hug. I want to say hi. If you, if you lifted your hand, please don't be afraid or nervous. Hey, bro, come here, man. Come here, give me some love. Welcome, bro. Welcome. Welcome, man. Welcome. 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 Hey, welcome. I've seen a few more people. Don't be nervous, man. This is your moment. Come down, come down, come down, come down. There are a few more people. You lifted your hand, you got nervous. Jesus wasn't nervous for you. Come on, let's stand for him. Come down, come down, come down, come down. That was you. We're going to pray together. You stay right down here. We're going to pray together for our friends right here. There are a few more people. I see you're still nervous. That's okay. I, I still got eyes on you. And God has eyes on you. We're going to pray together. Can we do this? Say this with me. Dear Jesus, tonight, come into my life. Forgive me of all my sins. The things that I know about, things I didn't know about. God, I feel dead and I want to feel alive. Tonight, I believe you died on the cross and you did it for me. I want to encounter your love tonight that gives life. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Come on, if you prayed that tonight, can we give God a shout of praise? Can we welcome our friends?
our team is going to take you guys right over here to the cross where you're going to sign our cross. The Bible says that your name has been entered into the Lamb's Book of Life, meaning you are on the guest list to heaven. We want to put you on our guest list, which is this cross. If you raised your hand or if you prayed that prayer and you didn't feel like coming down, that's okay. You can still sign the cross after service. We also have a free gift for you. Here's the last thing I want to say, and I am completely done. Can we just for one song, just one song, worship from the middle. If you're going through some stuff, can we just right here in the middle of this puzzle, while we're still puzzled in all the pieces, just lift up our eyes and in that place of worship, stretch out our tents and say, God, give me a new vision. Thanks for listening to another powerful message from Fearless LA. You can follow what's happening at Fearless by going to fearlessla.com, exploring the app, or looking us up on Twitter, Facebook, or Instagram. If you would like prayer, check out the prayer wall in the Fearless app. God bless you.